Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 298 of the Ask the Coach show, where ping skills helps you improve your table tennis. I'm Jeff Plum, and as always, I'm joined by super coach Alois Rosario. Welcome, Alois. Good morning, Jeffrey, and uh, thank you for the welcome, and uh, welcome to all the listeners out there. Yes, and we've got a, a big show lined up, Alloys. As Look, usual. As, as usual. usual. <laughs> it's, yes. a, it's always a big show. Um, so hopefully if you're, you're listening to this on the way to work, then you'll enjoy some uh, great table tennis questions, our tip of the week, drill of the week, and of course, the joke of the week, Alloys. Well, how could we go past that? Yes, well, an Eskimo, Alloys. Yes, Jeff. Brings his friend home for a visit. When they arrive, his friend asks, puzzled, so where's your igloo? And he mm-hmm. says, oh no, I must have left the iron on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> should we move on to the uh, on this week now? Oh, or? come on, if you're not laughing at that, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> he, he left the iron on, the igloo's gone, come on. That is funny. Uh, Oh, yeah, no, no yeah. But, no. Oh, dear. Once again, your usual standard, Jeffrey. It's brilliant. All right, well, let's move on, Alois, to on this week. Yes. Now, now here's something interesting. Um, so, on this week, we've got two players, two female players, both from Hong Kong. Um, so we have um, Hoi Kem Du, um, who uh, is currently ranked world number 18, and we have Ho Ching Lee, um, also from Hong Kong, currently ranked world number 27. So um, Hoi Kim's birthday on the 27th of November, just yesterday, and Ho Ching Lee on the 24th of November. Uh, I suppose the interesting thing for me here is that, as we know, you know, Hong Kong sometimes end up with uh, players from China that don't quite make it. And these late birthdays, you know, in November, have they slipped through the net of the Chinese system? And and so, I what do you mean by that, Alois? Yeah, so they've um, because they've got such a late birthday. Perhaps in their developing years, in their junior years, that uh, the Chinese system, you know, didn't quite pick them up because they were younger in their development um, in their junior age groups, and so. Um, and didn't quite make it into um, state or national programs at uh, at the junior level, and so ended up not playing for China and now playing for Hong Kong. Perhaps just a theory, Jeff. Wow, it's interesting, isn't it? So the, yeah, this is all related to the relative age effect, which um, I'm not even sure who discovered it, but I think yeah, they discovered it on some ice hockey teams and they looked and everyone in the team was born in like January and February and March and they're like well statistically what's the chances of that and yeah like you said it's because they're they're older compared to the uh, people born later in the year that play in the same age group as them and at a young age that you know can be a significant advantage being eight months older than someone else yeah exactly so um anyway let yeah it's just just a theory um and yeah, also picked up. So there was also a Singapore player born on the nineteenth of November, who's uh, number twenty-five in the world in the women. So hmm. there you go. Interesting. In see, 
Told you. <laughs> I was just being nice, you know. Much it, better, much, much more interesting than igloos. <laughs> no, but igloos wasn't interesting as much as funny. Right. Yeah, that's why it's yeah. called joke of the week. Right. All right. Right. <laughs> All right, Alois. Well, let's move on to some more table tennis stuff then, because that's what this podcast is about. Let's let's talk about the Spanish Open. Apparently, it is. That's right. So yes, the the, Span- the Spanish Open. So um, um, in the women's singles, um, you know, once again, the Japanese coming to the fore. Hina Hayata winning the final, but in a squeaky close one against John Ji Hee from Korea. Um, and Hayata won that 13-11 in the seventh. Uh, yeah, semis were uh, Bernadette Sock from Romania, made the semi and lost to Hayata 4-3 again, um, 11-5. Um, and another Japanese player, uh, Saki Shibata, lost to John Ji Hee 4-0 in the other semi. And, um, you know, again, uh, good to see the strong showing from the Japanese players at uh, at the especially at the at the lower lower events, but the the well I suppose the big surprise and um, again something we've been talking about over the last uh, year or so in the men's singles, the final was between uh, Kazuhiro Yoshimura from Japan and Satyan Nanasekaran from India. And uh, and the Indian got up to win um, the Spanish Open World Tour event, so uh, so that's a huge breakthrough for the Indian um, program and the team as well. So uh, Nana Sekaran, you know, coming through not seated um, at all um, or not seated highly, um, and managed to get through. Um, so yeah, he beat Macados from Spain along the way, um, Alamian from Iran. Um, semis, he beat uh, Lam Sui Hang, uh, who you know had a loss to Jiang Tianyi from Hong Kong um, earlier. So um, yeah, so mm. a big a, a big result. Um, Gardos, uh, Robert Gardos was also in the draw. He lost to Yoshimura in the quarterfinal. Yeah, um, but um, yeah, I mean here we are. You know, world tour event between final between a Japanese and an Indian and. Uh, and India takes a, a world tour men's singles event. Well done, India. Awesome. Yeah. And, you know, we, we've talked a little bit recently about the number of Indian players playing on the world tour circuit now. Um, and um, similar to what uh, Japan did, um, you know, over the last five to ten years, I suppose. Um, and we know now um, how strong that Japanese program is. Yeah. Excellent. So um, your prediction, watch out for the Indians. Indeed. Well, they're moving up the ranking list. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> let's, yeah, let's just see. And also also on the tournament um, scene, uh, so the World Junior Championships is on at the moment um, in Italy. Uh, and uh, the interestingly, though, um, you know, the, the Chinese are very strongly um, uh, represented there. So in the women's, the top two seeds, Sun Ying Sha and Wang Man Yu, you know, putting putting their putting their strong players in there um, in the in the girls' singles um, and also in the boys' singles. So um, so yeah, interesting that I think the Chinese sort of want to uh, um, 
assert their authority, I suppose. Um, so in the in the boys that say uh, Zhui Fei is the number one seed and Yu Guan Kai is the number three seed and they've got Wang Chu Qin as the number five and Xu Hai Dong as the number seven. So, um, yeah, so strong teams there. Excellent. Uh, yeah. Um, but interestingly, no Harry, Harry Moto in the junior singles. Okay, there you go. Yeah. It's, it is interesting, isn't it? I guess when you achieve such success in the seniors um yeah some people think maybe you shouldn't go back to the juniors because you've just got everything to lose but nothing to gain i'm not sure yeah yeah um and i, and I think that's probably right i mean his um his tournament schedule is probably full enough uh without having to play the junior boys uh singles but you know a world title is a world title yeah um, yeah exactly so uh but you know, I think they're probably thinking bigger things for Harry Moto. Yeah, indeed. And also, indeed. I mean, players like Mima Ito not there either. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. Ah, very good. All right. So, um, yeah, is there anywhere people can keep up to date with these uh, events? Yeah, definitely on the ITTF. Um, if you go to the ITTF, there's a um, there's a link there to the World Junior Championships, and we'll put put that on the the show notes as well. Awesome, so, uh, yeah. Always good to check it out, isn't it, and see, you know, the young up-and-coming stars of the future. Indeed. That's right. Very good. All right, Alois, that moves us on to the tip of the week. Yeah, so the tip of the week this week is an interesting one. I um, I was actually listening to um, uh, one of the Australian para-athletics coaches uh, talking yesterday, and um, and she uh, was you know talking about a lot of things, mainly about um, you know pressure in uh, in competition, but she did quote something that, that that sort of stood out for me, and I think is a good tip of the week. It's a quote by Antoine de Saint Exupéry, I think that's how you say it. Um, but uh, the um, the quote is: "A goal without a plan is just a wish." I like it. So uh, yeah, and uh, Irina Who is Antoine de Saint Exupéry. Ah, uh, you'll just have to look that up uh, when you're <laughs> your next joke, Jeff. <laughs> okay, <laughs> very good, but 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 very sound advice. Uh, very know, sound, sound advice. Yeah. Tip there, yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah, Irina Dvoskina, uh, who um, is the Australian para athletics coach, um, yep. yeah, had a lot of interesting things to say. But yeah, that one that one stood out for me. But she was. She uh, she talked a lot about planning and and the importance of planning um, for her athletes and her team. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good tip for this week. Excellent. All right. Well, Alois, um, based on that, yeah. What is the drill of the week? Yeah, it's sort of not really a drill of the week, but it's a it's to plan your next session in full and then utilize that plan. So I think that's that's probably just a, the start of where you can. St- think about planning um you can um use our um free download that we have uh, of a template of a training plan um just fill that in and then you can utilize that during the session now as i said that's the start of planning i mean you can you can start to think a little bit more about the broader plans as well so you can also think about overall what you're going to be doing for the week you can think about what you're going to be doing you know for the month what your next tournament is you have some short term goals but then you can also start to think about okay what is my long term goal what does my yearly plan look like um 
you know, for some of you, um, it's just about playing it, not just about, but it's about playing your local leagues. Um, but still in your local leagues, you'll be wanting to think about, um, you know, what you're trying to achieve in that local league, what, what percentage wins and losses you want to achieve, um, the things that you want to try to improve to, uh, to attain that percentage as well. So, yeah, so planning is a big part of uh, developing. Yeah, so, and like, is it easy to get started with planning? Say I'm someone who's just, you know, played and haven't ever really sat down and thought about things. Is it easy for me to get started with this planning? And should I just, you know, like you said, focus on planning the next session? Or or is it good to kind of start with a, you know, long-term, what do I want to get out of it? And then kind of come back to smaller segments. Which What's the best sort of way to work through that? Yeah, I think the best way is to think long-term and then come back. I think the easiest way to get started, though, is to just think about, okay, let's plan um, our session for uh, or our next session. And then hopefully that starts to get you to think a little bit more about where you're heading with uh, with your with your goals. Yeah, I guess that makes sense because it's not a it's not a small task, although it's not too big a task. But to think long term and then break it back takes a bit more effort. Whereas if you if you've never done it before, maybe just start by planning your next session and then work up to you know looking at that longer term plan. Yeah, I think so. And yeah. Even even your, your your overall plan doesn't have to be too detailed to start off with, you know. I mean, just sit down and write down perhaps two long-term goals that you have for your table tennis. It might be to um, move up, you know, three grades in, in your local league, you know, from B4 to B1 or, or whatever it is by the end. Mm. Um, you know, for some of you, it might be to, uh, to become your national champion. Uh, but whatever that is... So what are, your, what are your thoughts on goals? Um, should they be like results-based, like become your national champion, or should they be like, oh, I want to develop a better forehand topspin? Like how do, how do you work um, out what yeah. your goals should be? Yeah, I, I think firstly you need to make sure that, that they are able to be ticked off. So improve your forehand topspin is something difficult to tick off. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you're talking about that, it could be to be able to hit 80% of forehand top spins on in a match situation or something like that. Um, but, yeah, you need something that's quantifiable and something that can be checked off. Um, and I think, you know, results can often be dependent on who's in the tournament, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but it might be that instead of saying, I want to win a tournament or I want to win the league, it might be that uh, you say that um, I want to beat all the players that are ranked um, below me um, or I want to beat, um, you know, uh, two players that are ranked ahead of me in this season. Um, so some, something like that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Very helpful. All right, so yeah, so uh, listeners, um, yeah, think about some planning, and if you if you already do a little bit of it, think about developing a long term plan. And if you've never done any planning before, then just yeah, grab our template and plan out your next session. Um, and yeah, if you've got any questions about planning out your session, just uh, head over to pingskills.com and the Ask the Coach section and ask a question, and we'll be sure to get back to you. Yeah, all right. Great tips and uh, great, uh, well, not really a drill, but great exercise for the listeners this week, Alice. Well done.
Thank you. Yeah, right. Hopefully you utilise it. Indeed. Yeah, that's the key. You don't just listen here and, and don't take any action. Yeah, make sure you actually uh, take some action. You're getting a bit tough here, Jeff. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, Alice, it's time for the questions. Are you ready? Uh, of course I'm ready, Jeffrey. Awesome. All right, first up is one from Benzine who says, Whenever I teach people how to topspin on the forehand, I realise that many are already used to hitting the ball flat and they'll go ahead and do the flat contact before pretending to end very high. So they hit it flat and then maybe move their racket up. And um, he recorded this and realised that's the problem. And so he's wondering what's the optimal way of kicking that habit? Yeah, mm. so uh, Benzine, uh, firstly, great that you're looking at helping other players. Um, I love it. Um, with with that topspin one, there's a couple of things that you can try. So, um, you know, it, it can be just standing them around and um, and starting and getting them to utilise that stroke uh, without the ball, so doing some shadow play, um, just so they're getting the feeling of where that bat start needs to be and where that finish needs to be. So... It sounds like they're starting up a little bit too high with their racket if they're coming forward and then going up to their um, uh, eyebrow or correct finish position. So the other thing that you can do to get them to start a little bit lower is to just give them a little bit of feedback as they're hitting. So feedback meaning you could put something like a, a box on the ground um, and the box uh, can rise up to about 30 centimetres or wherever you want Um, them to start with their stroke and before they play their stroke just get them to put their bat down to that box touch the box and then go up to the finish position so that gives them some really solid feedback of where whether their racket is going down low enough or not at uh, at the start of their stroke often when you um, are trying to do the stroke and you might think that you know you're starting low but actually you're starting you know way too high um, the other thing you can do is to just do a short video of them and just show it to them so that then they get a little uh, get some real feedback of what their stroke looks like. Again, um, often there's a real difference between um, perception and reality with what, what your stroke is. Um, and the last one that I've got for you, Benzine, and this is probably, uh, this would be uh, my preferred option, is to put a stick or a rod across the net, but put it about a metre above the net. So by by doing that, um, you're then going to get the player to hit the ball up over the rod and land it back down on the table. Um, now, once they can do that, um, they'll start to have to brush that ball and to get that nice contact on the ball. The The... The key there is just to get them to, to feel the the brushing contact um, on that ball, which is probably something that they don't or they can't relate to at this stage. So by getting them to just brush that ball up and over the stick, um, they'll start to get the feel of that br- brushing contact. Uh, you only need to do it for a minute or so. You don't need to do it for, um, you know, an hour. Um, just get them to do it for a minute or so. Get them to feel that brushing contact. And once they do, um, then you can uh, take away the stick and, and get them to do that top spin and see if they can um, can come forward a little bit more and get that ball lower on the table. So this is, um, this is a technique that um, 
the great Dr. Ross um, showed me a year or two ago um, and it worked really well and I now utilise it um, quite a bit with players that I find have that issue with the flat hit. So, um, yeah, so give, give that one a try too, Benzine. Yeah, interesting. All different ideas on how to get them to start getting that brushing action. Like, um, yeah, and like the video just shows them where they're going wrong. The Having that box kind of gives them something physical that they have to make sure they're moving down so they can't pretend like they're starting lower. And then the last one's more like a challenge, more like, you know, do it. If it didn't work, try something different until they kind of get that brushing action. So all kind of different methods that might work differently for different people. Very interesting. Yeah. And um, seem to get feedback on uh, on that from uh, from anyone that tries it as well. Yeah, try it out. And Alois, we've done so many videos, it's hard to remember, but I think we've got some examples of this maybe in the slow spinny backspin. I'll find out which video it is and we'll put a link in the show notes of um, us demonstrating uh, the use of uh, like a bar above or a stick above the table to to get the ball going high over the table and landing back on it. So, um, yeah, we'll look for that and put a uh, note in the show notes. So check it out uh, when you get a chance. Go to pingskills.com and look at the Ask the Coach shows forward to see those show notes. Excellent. Great question, Benzine, and uh, keep up the good work uh, teaching table tennis. Good work. Uh, next up is one from G. Vesh, who says, How should I play? I know the basic strokes and serving... So now, what should I focus on to win more matches, playing fast or slow? Okay, so Jivesh, um, this is this is somewhere where a lot of uh, um, ping skillers get to. So they learn how to play the strokes, which is great, but then putting that into a match situation is is the next big step. So the first thing is to be able to just actually link the strokes together. Um, because if you're just doing strokes on their own, you're going to find that you'll you'll start to um, go back to a preparation of the same stroke. So if you're practicing forehands, you'll hit a forehand and go back to the start position for a forehand straight away. Whereas in a match situation, it's a matter of linking those strokes between backhands and forehands, not knowing where the ball's coming um, and being able to... Um, to to react and play that stroke well. So linking the strokes is probably the next thing. Randomising um, the um, the feed is the next thing, so, so not knowing where it is. Um, and then starting to add the serve and the return into the drill or into the strokes so that you're now starting to make it a little bit more game-like and then moving on to some match drills and then utilising the, those strokes in match play. So we um, we set this out in our seven building blocks of table tennis, which is um, which is a blog uh, post that we have, um, and it's also in our tutorials. So uh, take a look at that. Well, again, we'll put a, note, uh, a link in the show notes um, so that you can take a look and see how to move on from just playing strokes to being able to play a game. Yeah, and it's really interesting because a lot of people, Alois, think that once they've learned a stroke, that's kind of means they've got it mastered but like you said the linking of the strokes itself is a skill that you need to practice you you can't just learn the strokes in isolation and then expect to to play them in a match situation well you do need to practice this linking and and 
and then the rest of the building blocks of table tennis as well. Yeah, indeed. And that's that's what we're eventually we're on about. We're on about um learning how to play a game, not just um not just playing strokes. Yes, excellent. All right, so Jeevesh, make sure you check out the seven building blocks of table tennis tutorial series and uh hopefully that will, you know, point you in the right direction. Um but uh, good luck with the rest of your learning. All right, next up is a question from Sayan who says Coach, I practice table tennis every day with my friends and played a friendly tournament. My friends know my backhand is weak and they take advantage of it, especially my chop. I've searched videos on YouTube and the website and seen and practiced them, but I'm still not able to beat them or tie them on the backhand. So what advice do you have for Sayan, Alois? Yeah, so Sayan, this is a really similar to the previous question. So the first thing is to be able to learn how to do the backhand push correctly. Um, and it sounds like you're just not very confident on that side. So it's important to, to make sure you have a good feel and understanding for that stroke to start off with. So practice that backhand push, but then you need to move that through those building blocks. So then starting to link the backhand push with other strokes, starting to randomize it so you don't know where the ball's coming, um, et cetera, et cetera, and then slowly building it into your game. But, and eventually you will be able to start to use your backhand push and backhand strokes in a match situation. And, uh, you know, the other players won't be able to just put the ball into your backhand and win the point easily. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you could... You can try and cover that up by, you know, trying to move around and always play a forehand and not get caught out by the backhand. But in table tennis, there are, you know, a set of basic strokes that without developing, it is going to be hard because you, you're going to open up other weaknesses by, by trying to cover up that one weakness. So it really is important to learn, you know, a base set of skills, isn't it? Exactly, yes. And if you don't have those uh, base skills, then, yeah, then it's always difficult. But, um, yeah, I mean... Table tennis is about, you know, try, trying to um, trying to have um, a broad range of skills so that someone can't just uh, pick on one simple thing and win uh, win enough points to win the match. Yeah, and I think you know if you can learn some of the other strokes, but you think, hey, my backhand push is weak. There's no reason why you can't, you know, improve that area. And a lot of people, I feel, kind of focus on that weakness and think it's a weakness. And then it really becomes a big issue for them and they don't feel like they can improve that area for some reason. So I think, you know, it's important to step back and say, hey, I, you know, I've learned these other strokes. I can learn this stroke too. And, I, you know, I could turn this into at least not a weakness and maybe even a strength. Exactly. Yep. Yes. All right, Sayan. So hopefully that helps you out. Um, yeah. Check out the backhand push video and keep practicing it. And hopefully you can turn that into a strength and start beating your beating your opponents because your backhand push is better than theirs. All right, good one. Next question is from David, who says, Recently I came across these words by Albert E.N. Gray. The common denominator of success. The secret of success of every man who has ever been successful lies in the fact that he formed the habit of doing things that failures don't like to do. So his question, Alois, is what would you say that in table tennis most players neglect to do or don't like to practice that would most positively affect their success? Yeah, David, um, interest, really interesting question. Um, the first thing that popped into my head when, uh, when I read your question was the short push. So um, it's, 
not a glamorous stroke. It's just something that um, a lot of a lot of kids, especially, don't enjoy practicing. But if you watch the top players, their ability to keep the ball short, push the ball tight, um, is impeccable, and that's what actually leads them or gives them the opportunity to play their big, strong forehand and backhand top spins and get into those loop to loop rallies. If you don't have that ability to keep the ball short and tight your opponent's going to get in at you um, play aggressive strokes at you and the whole game's going to break down and I see this time and time again um, you know just especially I think you know juniors coming through um, just don't like practicing it um, and it can be a real gaping hole in their game um, and they feel like oh my my top spin's not not good enough but in fact, it's the short push that isn't good enough that gives them the opportunity to to play those um, top spins better. Um, and, I, and I suppose then that also um, translates into you know being able to serve short and being able to you know keep the ball sh- short on um, on the serve and the return of serve. Yeah, it's a good point. And I think if you're watching some of these top players who seem to be just hitting winners everywhere you might not even notice how good their short game is. But without that short game, they wouldn't be, you know, in a position to hit all those winners. Yeah, that's right. And, um, and, and, and I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty natural. I mean, you know, the, the highlights reels um, always have the big topspin to topspin rallies and the round the nets and that sort of thing. Uh, very rarely do you see the highlights of, uh, you know, wow, that was a great short push. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't think I've ever seen a highlight reel like that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that, that's that's a good one, Alice. One thing that popped into my mind, and but some people do like this, but a lot of people don't like service practice either. And, you know, developing a good serve is very, very important as well. So um, that's one thing that just popped into my mind. Yep, yep. Good, good thought, Jeff. Yeah. Oh, well, great question, David. And, you know, that's a great way to end the show. So... Everyone, get out there and practice your short pushing. It's going to make yes. a big difference to your game. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I want to see lots of good short pushes this week. Maybe that can be in your training plan. Oh, yes. I like it. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And thank you, Alloys. Thanks, Jeff. And, guys, don't forget, Jeff has told you you need to go out there and start to <laughs> action these things. Get out there. Do your training plan. There is going to be a link to uh, the training plan template on the show notes get there get it download it fill it out use it absolutely and uh, make sure you visit pingskills.com thanks everyone and we will see you shortly bye